0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go.
1: And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego.
0: Happy season after Epiphany, I know. everybody.
1: And welcome home, David. Oh, thank you. I it's missed good you to last week. I had a ball with Hannah, but yeah. you were missed.
0: Everyone has a ball with Hannah. Mm -hmm. That's her job. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. I'm excited to talk about this gospel for this upcoming Sunday. Thank you, everybody, for for joining us for this discussion. For this Sunday, January 22nd, 2023, the third Sunday after the Epiphany. Technically, just to be the lectionary church calendar police. Nerd. Mm -hmm. Epiphany is not a season. You can call it that if you want. No one's going to throw you out. There's very little you can get communicated for at this point. There's technically the Sundays after the Epiphany, season after Epiphany, or it's actually technically an ordinary, ordinary time because it's a green, green season. So we get a little ordinary time between now and Lent, which is our next liturgical season. Isn't that weird? Six weeks away or something. We have a God sighting.
1: We do. And you
0: know about it more than I do. So would you tell the people?
1: So hearkening back to the Good News Festival when we did our live episode there, one of the fun things for me I thought was at the end that we interviewed a bunch of people that were at the festival asking them where they saw God. And some of that entailed my running through exhibit halls and being like, do you want to come and talk to us? which is something I actually very much enjoy. You so do love
0: was... <laughs> running through exhibit halls. I've noticed that about you on your Instagram.
1: Well, no. I was thinking more that I enjoyed random invitations, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean. Yeah. Um, but one of the people that said yes to my jubilant invitation was Sean McConnell from mm. Episcopal Relief and Development. Mm. And he came over and shared with us a God sighting that we're gonna hear in just a moment. If you haven't experienced Episcopal Relief and Development before, you can check out their website and we will give that to you more at the end of this episode also Sean has a really cool role there he works on their asset based congregational development or as they call it ABCD mm-hmm. um, which analyzes different assets and helps communities envision ways to live into it mm-hmm. so he's just a fun guy in general and has a lot of great stories and I am excited for him to share one that isn't related to his work but it's related to his life with us now Right now with me, I have a new friend, Sean McConnell. Thank you so much for joining us on faith to go today. I am wondering if you might tell people a little bit about your ministry context.
2: I work for an incredible organization called Episcopal Relief and Development. We are the International Development Agency of the Episcopal Church and the Disaster Response Agency of the Episcopal Church. We do two things well.
1: You do a lot of things well. We do do a lot of things. And you do them with joy. ERD Uh is known for the joy that they bring to the good work that they do. So thank you for that ministry.
2: I work with amazing people.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, and so one of the things that we always do on the Faith to Go podcast is we ask people if they'll reflect on a place that they've seen God moving in the world, um, in their own lives or those of others.
2: So for me, uh, um, something happened recently that is, you know, should not be surprising. But in my neighborhood, just down the street, an elderly couple, one of them died. Mm -hmm. And, um, And they don't really get out much. You rarely see them out and about. But one of our neighbors is always checking in on them and always knows, you know, what's going on. And so after she died, the neighbor came and told us and made sure that we knew that, that the gentleman who was there was now alone, that he would need help with meals and other things. And so this one neighbor who, because they were always in touch with, with all of our neighbors, really, they're the ones who, who they know the names of everyone in our neighborhood. Because they were aware of what was happening in this house, they knew to check in regularly. They knew immediately when she died and were able to communicate to us. And so the neighbors were able to come together and be there for our neighbor who had lost his wife. To me, I think that that's just an awareness Mm -hmm. that people are in need and and what their needs are pretty simply what God calls us to do, but do we do it? Do we, are we always, you know, aware of what is going on with our neighbors? And, and so to have people like the neighbors who are the ones who brought our attention to that, I think that that's, that is the, the activity and action of the Spirit and of God in this world. Yeah. So, so you know, I think that any time we can know our neighbors by their names and, uh, and just know who they are. Mm-hmm. I think that that w- is something that really, it, it creates safer neighborhoods, it creates, uh, it, it helps bring about the beloved community.
1: Yeah, I love that because I often feel like I see God in the connections between all of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the connections that are healthy and strong and sometimes in the challenge places too. Um, but I do always feel that way. Absolutely. Um, so would you tell everybody if they would like to find out more about what Episcopal Relief and Development does, where they could find that out?
2: Um, it's very easy to find us at episcopalrelief.org.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Man, the Good News Festival feels like it was a hundred years ago.
1: It does actually. Was it? Mm -hmm.
0: It was last year. Yeah.
1: It was in the before times.
0: (laughs) Yeah, before times. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Before the coming of God into the world. We would always love to hear from you all. If you have a God sighting, if you would like to share with us something about your ministry context, any questions or comments or stories in your week of faith discussion and reflection, we would always love to hear from you. You can get in contact with us using any of the ways listed in the podcast description for this episode. And we would love to hear from you. And now we are going to move to our gospel discussion again for this upcoming Sunday, January 22nd, the third Sunday after the epiphany in year A, Matthew's gospel. So we'll be hearing the story from Matthew 4, verses 12 to 23. Charlotte will read it. I'll give some context, just a little bit, and then we'll each have a point.
1: Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people.
0: So we have here Matthew 4, first 11 verses of Matthew 4 is Jesus in the wilderness. So we have the Christmas story, Jesus' birth, Jesus' baptism, Jesus in the wilderness, and then this story, and then right after this is the Beatitudes, so the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we were in John We're back in Matthew and we are coming out of the desert with Jesus and then going into that that big block of teaching in that first half of Matthew's gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. And this is just nestled right in that little spot right there. There's a bunch of place names here that are interesting. Galilee is this large region, as we've talked about, include, which includes the the Sea of Galilee, and Nazareth is in the region of Galilee. So it's the it's this region north of uh, Judea, north of Samaria, but you know, like the the River Jordan runs all the way up the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, which is next to Jerusalem. So Jesus is going from baptism in the Jordan River into wilderness to Nazareth but then over to Capernaum and Capernaum Nazareth is you know kind of far away from the Sea of Galilee Capernaum is right on the coast that's why there's all these fishermen to choose from for disciples and then Zebulun and Naphtali are the kind of traditional Israelite tribe names for these areas of Galilee so Naphtali and Zebulun are if you look at an old map of like how they split up Israel into the 12 tribes Zebulun and Naphtali would be exactly Galilee later on. So it's interesting though, that Matthew is using all these the kind of like current and traditional names of these places and partially to set up this scriptural uh, reference to Isaiah, you know, it's important that, that we, that like, this is the, this is, these are the land names of Jesus's people of the Jewish community. So that's where we are and when we are. And Charles has the first point.
1: Well, but before I get to the first point, I actually want to give a little piece of context that occurred to me as you were talking, and it is podcast context. I know. Fun fact for all of our podcast listeners is that both David and I are people who talk with our hands. Yeah. So as you are listening, you need to imagine Mm -hmm. the hand motions that go along with everything that we are saying, because (laughs) there is no time that one of us is speaking that we are not utilizing our hands also. Correct. Right? Yeah. And, and David, I don't know if it's true for you or not, but I actually find that if I am upset, I don't do it as much because like that is something that people say is common, um, is that when people get upset, they gesture wildly with mm. their hands mm-hmm. and I do not. Yeah. However, if I am preaching, if I am teaching, if I am on a podcast, apparently I use my hands all the time yeah. as do you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you should just imagine that. Yeah. The, the hand. Yeah. Things. <laughs> I think when I was talking about, I was like, Vit, there is a map, oh, for in, sure. in my mind, there is a map right here <laughs> uh, that you can obviously see.
1: Which was delightful
0: So down me. here is Jerusalem, <laughs> and up here is Galilee, and here's the Sea of Galilee, here's, and then there's Jordan, and uh-huh. then this is Neftali and Zebulun. So yes. obviously everyone knows where those things are, because you can see the map just like I can.
1: Mm-hmm. And And now, now that we have had that important piece of context, yep. I will in fact offer the first point. Let's hear it. What's your point? I, I know. I don't know that it's going to be as good as that. But but what I was thinking about as I was processing this gospel this week, and I actually came back to it a few times because I was like, how am I feeling about this gospel? And I don't want to talk too much about what you are going to say, but it definitely, there is a hard piece of transition that happens in this gospel. Mm-hmm. At least um, as you consider Jesus's work and his story, there is a piece of it that that hits you in a different way, that you feel in a different way. And as I was looking at it and thinking about it and rereading it, what I kept coming to was this shift that happens from the reality that everybody is living in, in this moment, the kingdom in which everybody is dwelling, and the beginning of living into what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. And the switch seems to happen with the last sentence that falls in this first paragraph where it says, from that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And repent is a super loaded word. It's one of those things that makes it seem like you have some great sin or terrible thing that you are doing and you must change your evil ways. And and the reality is that the word that it comes from, metanoia, actually just means to turn around. And I love to think about it that way, because when we think about it as turn around, then it's like, oh, I took a wrong turn, my GPS led me astray, and I just need to turn around and backtrack a little bit and try it a new way. But in this scripture that we have here, when I read it this way and using that turn around as my launching point for it, I actually was thinking about it from the standpoint of turn around the kingdoms here. So instead of focusing on all of this other relationship and language and reality that you're living in, well, put down your nets and follow me and come and live into this new kingdom. It's an invitation to turn and to do something in a new way. And that's really beautiful because part of what we get at the end of this is this synopsis. It's so funny because we have a long way to go in this gospel, right? And yet this last sentence of the reading for today says that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people Mm -hmm. and seen, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like it's such a beautiful summation of everything that is to come. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it says, it announces, it proclaims the kind of kingdom that Jesus is creating through his ministry uh, and the work that he is going to do and the partnerships that he has just now begun forming with the calling of these people and being like, come and experience this journey on the road with me, live into this message. And it's going to be hard. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's going to be ugly. And yet what we build together is going to be more beautiful than anything you can imagine. Because together we are bringing the kingdom to earth.
0: I am like struck by this decision point. Thinking about this moment when Jesus comes back out of the desert. He has this incredible experience. He just had this baptism from John you know, it's, we don't know exactly. I mean, obviously John and Jesus were related to one another. So there's that, but also there's some idea that maybe Jesus was maybe a follower of John, definitely knew John's message and uh, was baptized by him, goes into the desert, has this whole experience in the wilderness. And the wilderness is this place where he finds himself. He becomes fully embodying this kingdom of heaven message, you know, like we have these temptation stories and he sticks to who he knows himself to be. And he, he comes out with this like solidified understanding of who he is, of his identity. You know, at the end of the baptism, there's this voice says, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus goes out into the desert and like experiences that in his body. He knows that to be true of himself. He is like, this is my job. I'm going out there. I'm bringing this message. And then I think it's so appropriate that then the first thing he's met with is John's arrest that like he comes out with this hope of what is to come of the message he's going to bring to the world and is met with the stark reality that when, that the person that has been bringing that message is, 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 is in prison. And it's just this reminder, I think, to Jesus that what, what comes with that life. You know, that it is inherent in John, in what Jesus and John are trying to do in the prophetic act, in the act of bringing about the kingdom of heaven, that the people in power are going to push you the people in power are not going to like it and that the people in power are going to persecute you as, as much as uh, they possibly can. And one later, uh, later, and I think it's like 10 chapters later, we hear why John was arrested and it was for, you know, calling out Herod for his own kind of immorality and the way he was using his power. Jesus is met with this reality You know, that like he comes with all this hope and then is met, boom, this is what that is going to look like for you. I love the way that he responds to that, that he's like, he has this decision and I think we all have this decision. And I think especially thinking about like coming off of holidays with family, with these like very intimate, longstanding relationships And just in big and small ways in our lives, whenever we have these, these experiences of like self-realization of, of like finding our deep identity of like growing and transforming and changing and trying to bring our authentic truth into the world, that is almost always going to be met with some resistance from somebody. And I think that resistance happens in, in family systems because like we're trying to bring a sense of self into a place where we have this expectation of being something else this thing we've always been and we're trying to say this is what I'm becoming. And I think that that is true just of the world that Jesus is saying this might be this this maybe is what has always been true but this is the thing that's coming. And we are being called into a different sense of identity communally as like a people as humans into a different way of being with one another. And that way of being with one another really undermines the power structures that are in place. And it causes a lot of anxiety. Anxiety leads to violence in this situation. But I just love that this, that the whole section, that like the culmination of that, like Jesus has met with that and and what he does is go out and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Call back to chapter 3, verse two, John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's met with this reality of what's going to happen. He knows. And in the face of knowing what lies ahead, he says exactly what John said to get arrested, you know? And so I just, I love that, that we have this quote from Isaiah. And then in that quote from Isaiah is also this like promise that justice will come. You know, that this new king will be born. And as it says here, the people who have uh, sat in darkness have seen a great light and that that light has dawned and that Jesus is embodying this reality that when we are striving for justice, when part of striving for justice is like fully embodying our truth, being authentic, calling the world into a new way of being and that inherent injustice is The recognition that at some point we're choosing to step into being persecuted Mm -hmm. in big or small ways, but that like Jesus recognizes his place in this lineage of justice seekers and that he finds strength in that, uh, in the face of persecution and fear, he finds strength in John's message and repeats it and that we can find strength. And all those prophets that came before us, and all the justice seekers that came before us—Jesus being one of them, but so many—in our context and time. So it's—I think—it's just this beautiful invitation when we when we come to that that point, which we'll come to a, a lot of times if we're really seeking justice. Are we going to step into the tension and the persecution, big and small? And when we do that, we can remember. Jesus and his decision to do the same. Knowing that every time we make the decision to take that step forward, we're getting closer to the kingdom of heaven.
1: And David, I have to say, like, as I was listening to you talk, I kept thinking, and yet it is never not shocking. Like when you step into that persecution, Mm -hmm. it takes you by surprise every single time. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I am working to bring about the kingdom, when I am partnering most fully with Christ, that that should be the glorious celebration. Mm -hmm. And yet the reality is that each time you are stepping into that persecution and it's shocking Mm -hmm. every single time. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. When you claim your truth, it's always going to push against the falsehood of the systems within which you exist. So one gift of a, of a religious tradition is that you know that you're not doing it alone, not just in this idea that I have this divine, you know, presence partnering with me but that I'm part of a larger story so that it's not just me floating around in this universe, doing whatever I can. I am kind of continuing a tradition, continuing a story of justice and truth and newness and freedom. I think that there's such comfort in that. And that's what I see Jesus doing here is like picking up where John left off. So we're always picking up, you know, to the handing it off to the next generation of justice seekers We are just taking steps, steps closer and closer and closer. We don't necessarily get to see the fulfillment of this kingdom of heaven in our lifetime. But we do in in small ways, I think, in big and small ways. So that's our two points for this week. Point number one was Charlotte's. And yeah, it was about this kingdom of heaven, this new way of being and Jesus's invitation into that. And mine was similar thinking about, you know, our decisions at every moment of claiming who we are and how when we do that, um, take a step towards the kingdom of heaven when we are true and authentic to ourselves. So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your third point would have been for this week. Again, you can get in touch with us in any of those ways listed in the description for this podcast episode. You can share any of your stories, comments, or questions, uh, any of your God sightings, something about your ministry context that you'd like to tell us. We'd love to hear about those. Make sure to check out Episcopal Relief and Development.
1: Which is episcopalrelief.org.
0: We can put a uh, link in the description for this episode as well. Lots of links, so you should probably scroll down right now and check out all those things. So we'll be back next week to talk about the gospel for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. That'll be Sunday, January 29th. It'll be a special episode as Charlie will be calling in. Yes. Uh, from the Forma Conference 2023. With Maya Sonia. With Maya Lilsonia, mm-hmm. Uh from Virginia Theological Seminary this year in Alexandria, Virginia, my alma mater. I can't wait to hear about it next week. We'll all hear about what's going on and the world of the Episcopal Formation. And uh, excited to hear from you and Maya next week. So make sure you tune into that. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.
1: I feel like we'd said that before.